You are entering the Holmes Archive of Electronic Music, a collection of vintage recordings curated by your host, Tom Holmes. This episode, Electronic Keyboards and Jazz, A Recorded History, Part 2 of 2. Tom Holmes, and welcome to the Archive of Electronic Music. This podcast is the second of a two-part series in which we are listening to examples of electronic keyboards in jazz. The first part covered an early history of electronic keyboards in jazz before the Fender Rhodes electric piano was launched in the late 60s. In this episode, we'll begin around the time of the Fender Rhodes, and explore various keyboards up until 1979, which is capped by the use of a wide variety of analog synthesizers. What makes a keyboard suited to jazz? I would suggest that none of these instruments, with the exception of the Fender Rhodes, made their initial impact in the field of jazz. Most were created with rock and popular music in mind and were adopted by jazz musicians as they sought to electrify and amplify their music. In fact, I did a podcast about this way back in episode 14, Electronic Jazz Part 2, Gadgets and Modifiers, where we explored how amplification, stomp boxes, and signal modifiers normally associated with rock had been adopted by jazz artists for use with their horns, flutes, and other instruments. And before that, in episode 13, in part one of that series on electronic jazz, we listened to examples from a parallel period during the 1960s when jazz artists experimented with electronic music on tape to broaden the textures of their sound. Now I turn to the role of electronic keyboards in jazz and how they provided the musician with a new dimension to their expressiveness. One way to distinguish jazz from other genres of music is that every musician can be called upon to solo, especially in small ensembles. Something Miles Davis once said is worth quoting here. Uh, he said, quote, 
The thing to judge in any jazz artist is, does the man project and does he have ideas? Unquote. The creative expression allotted to each jazz musician is, then, the sacred territory that jazz music inhabits. For many years, the acoustic piano was the sole keyboard used in most jazz. It was both a rhythm instrument and a solo instrument. It established the harmonic context for a piece and elaborated on it with its own voice. The dynamics of playing the piano are well known. Differing pressures can be applied by the fingers to play loudly and softly. One can play long sustained notes using the pedals or sharply percussive notes with a fast touch. Crescendos require the dexterity to begin playing softly and gradually, increasing pressure and loudness to reach the peak. I would also add that the purposeful use of pauses and silence add to the exposition of piano playing. An improviser may use all of these techniques while forming their own ideas around a given musical thought. The electric organ, especially the Hammond B3, became the second most popular keyboard in jazz during the 1950s. And it introduced dynamics that were related to playing an electronic instrument. We listened to several players in the previous episode of this series. The keys on an organ are on-off switches, and to sustain a sound, you press the keys continuously. The organ pedal has a different function than pedals on the piano. It is used to change the rotation speed of the loudspeaker, often a Leslie speaker system. Pitch bend effects, grace notes, rolls, and slurs can be played by quickly flicking the key one semitone to the left before hitting the intended note. The glissando, while playable on the piano as well, uses a different technique on the organ. One runs their hand up and down the keys using the side of the fingers or the back of the hand, being careful to merge it seamlessly with the playing that follows. The Fender Rhodes Wurlitzer Electric Piano, RMI Roxacord, and Farfisa Combo Organ, all heard in this episode, could be played using the traditional techniques of the piano and organ. So in that way, these instruments already met the basic needs of the jazz player. It was easy for a jazz player just to plug them in and start playing. But each had additional controls over the timbre, voicings, and modifications of the sound that the jazz player could relate to their playing. Each of these electronic instruments had a unique sound. Take, for instance, the chime-like resonant tones of the Fender Rhodes. Compare it to the sharp, fuzzy sound of the Wurlitzer electric piano. Or the short, guitar-like sound of the Roxacord.
and the softer, plucked sound of the Honer clavinet. Electronic keyboards definitely offered a new assortment of sounds to the jazz musician. And we will also hear what happened when these gifted musicians got a hold of the analog synthesizer. In this episode, we're going to listen to examples of all of these. The 30 tracks that follow are arranged in chronological order, except for the very first track, an informative demo of the Fender Rhodes by Herbie Hancock, which was released as a promotional flexi-disc from Fender Rhodes and included in a 1973 issue of Downbeat magazine. We'll hear both sides of that. And then after setting the scene with that demo, we will hear 11 tracks featuring the Rhodes, whether it's a Roxichord, Farfisa, Clavinet, an electric harpsichord from artists including Herbie Hancock, Joe Zawinol, Bill Evans, Sun Ra, Roger Kellaway, Alvin Ayers, Steve Allen, Don Ellis, and others. Then we will enter the transition from piano and organ to synthesizer. First will be three Sun Ra tracks, all captured live, to showcase not only his early Minimoog experiments, but also his trance-like performances on the Roxichord. Following that will be three tracks from the synthesizer era of Herbie Hancock, all remarkable for his mastery of multiple keyboards, but also showcasing his supporting players who were also part of his transformative sound. The third Hancock track is from Japan and is a solo exploration of various synthesizers. The final 12 tracks feature recordings of a variety of analog synthesizers from three continents, all to illustrate how the synthesizer contributed to a worldwide renewal of the jazz tradition. Among the recordings will be examples from Larry Young, already a noted Hammond B3 player, Jan Hammer, flautist Bobby Humphrey and her ensemble featuring ARP and Mini Moog synthesizers, Ramsey Lewis, noted as a piano player, the nice blending of Rhodes and Minimoog sounds from Argentinian player Fernando Galbard, Clark Ferguson, and jazz flute using the RMI harmonic synthesizer and keyboard computer. Then Wolfgang Downer, who brought his piano experience to the EMS Synthi 100, one of the largest off-the-shelf modular synths from the latter days of analog synthesis. The start times for each of these tracks are provided on the podcast website and my blog so that you can skip through the tracks more easily. My goal is generally to assemble a blend of tunes that has meaning through the ways that the individual tracks compare and contrast to the ones around them. But being able to isolate and find individual tracks is, I appreciate, often something that you might want to do. I created a visual guide to most of these makes and models of instruments and included that in the previous podcast, paying special attention to the expressive features that could be easily adopted by jazz musicians. You can download this illustrated chart free of charge on my blog, Noise and Notations, at tomholmes.com. So let's get started on this edition of the podcast called Electronic Keyboards and Jazz, A Recorded History, Part 2. This is Tom Holmes, and you are listening to the Archive of Electronic Music. ¶¶ 
Herbie Hancock. That's Watermelon Man, a song that I wrote about 10 years ago, played on the Rhodes piano. First time I ever saw a Rhodes piano, I was going to record an album uh, with Miles Davis. I walked into the studio and I looked for the acoustic piano and I didn't see one in this big studio at Columbia Records. So I looked and there was this piano. I said, Fender Rhodes piano. I said, you want me to play this? He said, yeah. So I touched it and the sound that came out was much bigger than I, I really expected to hear. It was much, much fuller. And it had um, a blending quality that the acoustic piano doesn't have. The Rhodes piano blends so well with other instruments. And I could hear myself uh, much, much better. Plus the, uh, the vibrato effect, I, I liked that right away. The vibrato effect is very difficult to explain, but essentially what happens is when you play a chord or, or a note, the signal is split into two separate amplifiers that are connected to two separate speakers. So you get kind of a sweeping effect between the, the two speakers. It's really a, a special effect that's unique to this Rhodes piano. It, it sounds something like this. We're going to start with Maiden Voyage first without vibrato, and then I'm going to add the vibrato but I'll let you know when. Now here's the stereo vibrato, so characteristic of this piano. people ask me, why is it that they can't get the vibrato on their piano? Well, I have some good news for you. If you have a stage piano, I happen to have a suitcase piano, so there is a vibrato device built into it. But if you have a, a stage piano, all you have to do is to buy the satellite speaker package. And in that package, there's a preamp, a new preamp that has the vibrato uh, effect built into it. All you have to do is go to the dealer and tell them to set it into your piano, and now you'll have exactly the same thing that I have. On the present model Rhodes pianos, you'll find jacks for plugging in accessory equipment. And in my piano, I have a fuzz wah pedal and an echoplex. 
plug directly into it. Sometimes I even use a device called a random resonator. Um, and this piano is quite suited for various effects. It, it really enhances the sound of the piano for ornamentation in order to make different colors out of the sound, you know, to embellish the straight sound. First, I'll show you what the, uh, the wah-wah effect is. I better show you the straight sound first so you know. And then here it is with the wah-wah. That's a pedal that any, anyone can buy. And it plugs right into the piano. The, these are effects that guitar players have been using since the ad advent of electric rock. And um, there has been no way to really apply these to the acoustic piano. Uh, this piano is, is, since it has a sound that uh, has as much body as the acoustic piano, unlike any other electric piano that I've played, uh, when you add these effects, then you get that much more scope, as much scope as the uh, rock guitar players. The fuzz is a way of overdriving the amplifier and making a somewhat distorted sound. And here's the straight sound again. And here it is with the fuzz. And then if you use that with the Y, it comes out like this. The Echoplex is a device, it's actually a, a tape recorder with, a, with two playback heads. One a fixed one and the other is a movable one. You can uh, put a signal into the Echoplex and have that signal repeated over and over again. For example, if you play one note, then it'll repeat that note as, as though um, it is an echo. You can employ all sorts of combination effects by uh, plugging a cable into the piano and having that cable go through, for example, the fuzz wah pedal. Out of the fuzz wah pedal, another cable will uh, go into the echoplex. And out of the echoplex, you can plug that cable into another device if you want. And out of that device, back into the uh, Rhodes piano. Okay, now here's the straight sound. And here's the sound with the echoplex. Now here's the same same thing, but where the echoes, where the uh, repeats are much faster. Or much slower. See, so this can be very effective in doing uh, things like...
Now, there's something else that I've uh, discovered in, in uh, fooling around with the Echoplex. If I if I move the um, uh, the the movable playback head while I'm playing a note, I can actually change the pitch of the note. And here's a straight note. Now listen to this. So now one thing that it, that you can you can't do with a piano, you can't bend notes on a piano. Well now I can bend notes. I can play things like. Which can be very effective. Here's an effect that I've, I've used where I, I uh, have the wah wah and the fuzz with the echoplex. And here's a little variation on that. Earlier this year, I wrote the soundtrack to a film called The Spook Who Sat By The Door. And we re-recorded it for our latest album. And we had a lot of fun doing it. And here's a short segment of the theme song from The Spook Who Sat By The Door. <laughs> Thank you. 
listening to Electronic Keyboards and Jazz, a recorded history, part two, on the archive of electronic music. This is Tom Holmes.
hope you enjoyed Electronic Keyboards in Jazz, a recorded history part two on the archive of electronic music. This is Tom Holmes. Details about all the music can be found in the playlist on the podcast website. Check out my blog for the Bob Moog Foundation. There's a link on my podcast website. A transcript of notes for the program are found on my blog, Noise and Notations, located at tomholmes.com. If you would like to learn more about the history of electronic jazz and electronic music in general, please read my book, Electronic and Experimental Music, published by Routledge in print or as an ebook. You may also want to read my book about sound art, also available from Routledge. If you enjoyed this podcast, I invite you to explore our library of past episodes. They span many genres, technologies, and artists associated with electronic music from symphonic rock to jazz, all inspired by vintage recordings from my archives. So long for now from the Archive of Electronic Music. Happy listening, everyone. All of the music heard on this podcast, unless otherwise indicated, is brought to you from the Holmes Archive of Electronic Music, a curated collection of vintage recordings. For a complete playlist, go to thehomesarchive.podbean.com. All crackles, surface noise, and other imperfections heard in this podcast are purely intentional. All intro, outro, and other incidental music is by Tom Holmes, unless otherwise noted in the playlist. For notes about this episode, please see the blog Noise and Notations at tomholmes.com. So long from the Holmes Archive of Electronic Music.